Welcome to episode five of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm Eli. And we live here. And we're two Americans. That's right. That's that's right. I, I just want to commend you, Andrew. I could I could I could see you holding back the alrighty, everybody. I'm working on my intro. Oh, Got- that was perfectly fine. Getting it, getting it cleaned up. Uh, thank you for listening. This is the fifth episode. It's been a lot of fun. Again, Eli and I live here in the North Caucasus with our families, uh, not together, separately, but we it's met each other. It's not a commune. <laughs> no. Or we, a tukum, which would be the like Caucasus concept there, right? Like of commune. Fa- of commune, kind yeah. of like families that- That's good. Good word. Live and work together. We'll, yeah. we'll get into tukums later. Okay. I want to record from a tukum. We're going to get there. I think we can do that. All right. So, yeah, we live here. Um, we've lived here a while. We really like this region of the world. And so we're wanting the English-speaking world to learn more about the North Caucasus. So often, um, especially in the news, I mean, this is about anything, but there will unfortunately just be negative news about the North Caucasus and there's a lot of positive and good things here. And so that's what this podcast is about. A famous author once said, you've got to accentuate the positive and, oh, I'm not even going to remember. You got to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative and Hmm. latch onto the affirmative and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Carry on. Very nice. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we're wrapping up kind of our first mini series and we've just been trying to give a good overview of what is the North Caucasus. Um, so our tagline is Caucasus talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I like that every time we say it, yeah. I don't say it ever, but you say it. I'm, I like it. I almost have it memorized. <laughs> uh, so we've talked about tourism, kind of the land, the geography. And right. we, that was two episodes because there's a lot of land and, if you talk about land for a long time, it can get boring. So for us, it's interesting. <laughs> split it up. Understandably for you, you're just listening. We're, Mountains, we got it. We're building, building you up to that. Yeah. We talked about the culture, and we had our good uh, Karachai friend Khalid on with us, which was awesome. With his very impressive English. That's right. Um, and today we're talking about history. Yeah, there was a dead spot there because we were just leaving room for everyone to take a deep breath. And yeah, oh, who's history? History. I what love history? Podcast about history. Yeah. No. Um, obviously, even with history, you know, we're Americans and we live in Russia, and very consistently, uh, our countries, governments, even history writers have different takes on the same event in history. Even history writers. Yes. Shame. I mean, we're not going to go there, but <laughs> that's just to say, like. We're going to wave at it as we drive past. We're going to try to be, (laughs) that's a reality here. And we, and we know it's a reality where we're from. We, we're going to try to be objective in talking about history and really talk more about the overall like themes you can like see in the history of the North Caucasus. History. The reason we want to do it as we've dipped into history, it helps you appreciate the present. It helps you understand the present and to engage more meaningfully. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. And it, Definitely, I mean, for us living here, seeing how the people are today, what the land and the borders are like today, all these languages, I understand it better now because 
I've studied the history more. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Would you consider yourself a history buff? I mean, I know you'd consider yourself just buff, but I'm, you know, in terms of history. <laughs> there are some areas I'm buff in. <laughs> uh, I'm not a history buff. I like history though. Um, but all right. I'm probably I'm probably more knowledgeable about this topic than most Americans, but that's just kind of by default because I right. live here. That's good. I just want to, yeah. I mean, that we balance out because I'm not. Okay. All right. Okay, so we're not going to go through chronologically the history of this region. In uh, common era two. I, probably in my head I wanted to do that, but as I've like researched it and studied it and talked to people, it's, it's a really long history. Mm. And, but what I did find in like, reading and talking to people is these certain themes come out of the history that helps you understand it. Uh, so basically we have three themes we're going to talk about with the history of the North Caucasus. The first is languages. Mm -hmm. The second is borders. And the third is kingdoms. Kingdom. Yes. Very like old kind of historical words. Um, okay. So languages, let's talk about number one. Let's do it. Eli, how many different languages are spoken in the North Caucasus mountains? I can't count that high in Russian anyway. No, I can't. <laughs> um, it's between, in the North Caucasus, it's between 50 and 100 languages. Yes. And, you know, those estimates even vary. Vary. But yeah, uh, for sure you can say more than 50 languages are spoken here. And now, I just want to clarify because it, as it bothers me, I've heard people talk about the dialects. Now, Ebonics is a dialect, right, of English in America, for example. Hmm. It's a dialect, meaning it is a derivative of English. Okay, yes. Different enough to stand by itself, but not distinct enough to be its own language. Yes. As far as I know. Maybe I'm wrong Good about definition. Ebon That's just the first one that came to mind, right? But like English or Pigeon English or like, you know, American English and then like... Creole or something, could you say? Yeah, Creole is like it's a different. It is actually so. It's its own language. It's its own language. I'll but just I'll, let you talk. When you say no, it's fine. But when you say fifty, you, you're not saying like not dialects. Not like twenty with thirty dialects. Like fifty right. distinct. Distinct. Yes. I just think that is mind blowing. Good, because yeah, we're not going to get into the dialects, but there's a ton of those too. Um, good. Now, all right. I mean, Eli, how how could that have happened that in this small area of land, I think you said it's the size of Florida, yes, the entire North Caucasus, how could it have happened that 50 different, totally separate languages are spoken here? Mm, it was a practical joke, and it got out of hand. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can tell you a proverb if I'm not stealing your thunder. Go for it. Men, the many have a there's different variations, but you ask a North Caucasus person how, this question, and one saying goes that this was the place God was distributing the languages. Mm -hmm. He had a bag of languages, and he either got tired and sat down, or tripped and spilled. But all of his languages, all these languages, came pouring out into the mountains. In, into the mountains. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. It's really interesting. Um, Again, this is connected with our theme of borders and kingdoms, but it shows you the fact that 50 languages are spoken here shows you over time in history how many different peoples and nations have come through the North Caucasus. I just want to tell you I've been doing some higher math on my um, calculator on my phone. Okay. If there are 100 languages here and there are approximately 7,000 languages in the world, 
That means 1.4% of the languages of the world are in the North Caucasus. That is awesome. That's like a, a whole digit. One point, that's, we got a digit. Anyway. I like those digits. I'm done doing my math. They do say that the North Caucasus is like a linguist, ethno-linguist or a linguist dream to oh, work man. with all these languages. Um, so, yeah, like so many different nations, kingdoms, peoples have come through here and many have stayed. Um, so if we're looking at the languages, you know, there are many families of languages. We're not going to get into the technicalities, but if you had to break it down to three overall language families mm-hmm. within all these 50 languages spoken mm-hmm. here, the three big ones are Turkic languages. From Turkey? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Indo-European languages. Yes. And Caucasian languages. I have a question about those last two terms. Yes. Does Indo-European mean Indians and Europeans like were walking toward each other and met? <laughs> it was an explosion. No, in the I middle. literally don't understand because I've I've heard this word for this term forever. I don't know Indo. Is that India? Like Sanskrit. Skrit. San. All right. Let's look at which languages comprise each one, All and right. then maybe we'll come to some conclusions. Okay. But I'll definitely say up front, I was hoping you would know more about the origin of Indo-European than I than I do. <clears throat> yes. Well. Okay. All right. So Turkic languages. Uh, in the North Caucasus, there are people who live here, large people groups. There are five that are Turkic people groups. Mm-hmm. There are up to eight. So these are languages that have Turkish root and origin. They are the Azeri language, Bolkar, Karachai. Kumuk, 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 yeah, Nogai, and then also included in that, obviously, is the Turkish language, the Kazakh language from Kazakhstan, and Turkmen or Turkmenistan. And so, some guy, sorry, no guy, some guy. <laughs> it's just no guy. I thought you were talking about Barat or something. Some guy. Yeah, not that guy. Different guy. Okay, so this is really interesting. So if these languages, it follows, if these languages have a Turkish root, that the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire, came through here at one point. I immediately thought of pointy hats. Did they have pointy hats? Like the round ones that came up in a tall point, like a metal point. I cannot speak to that. I might be thinking of a cover of a C.S. Lewis novel. Huh. And uh, he kind of modeled some of his guys after Turks, and that actually might be it. I'll have to go do a little research and uh, stick my foot in my mouth. <laughs> Pointy hats. We'll, Pointy we'll hats. get back to that. But so this is really interesting. I have uh, several really good Balkar friends and Karachai friends. Actually, I have a good Balkar friend, Karachai friend, and Kumuk friend. Of and these. they understand each other? Yeah, they totally understand each other. Even though their languages are different, uh-huh. all of them, and they, my one good Balkar friend, Dakir, He's told me, I, I understand everything Kazakhs say. I understand everything Azeris say. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's because they have the same root language of Turkish. But, but it's still not classified as dialects of Turkish. They're still their own language. Different language, wow. but That's very similar. Cool. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I was just in um, the Czech Republic right. for vacation, and the writing of the Czech language is very similar to Russian, even though it La- uses the Latin alphabet yeah. and Russian uses Cyrillic. I could understand almost everything that was written. Okay. And yeah, that's it's, definitely its own language. It's a totally different language, but yeah, it's totally fascinating that there's these five to eight Turkish languages here. Okay. So that's one family group. Then you have, let's go straight to the, let's do Indo-European. Then you have Indo-European. 
the main ones, the main Indo-European languages in that family are Hindi Arme- and English. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Armenian. Armenian. Iranian. Like Ar- from Iran? Yes. Oh. And in, in that subset is Ossetian, the Ossetian language. This I did not know. And then Slavic languages, which are Russian and Ukrainian. So if those are Indo-European, Armenian, Iranian, and Slavic Russian... I'm not... Yeah, I, I can't really speak to like what makes them, what connects those languages. We'll find out. Yeah. Someone knows, and, and we will soon. We're going to find out more. But those are some of the biggest languages spoken here. Assetian, especially Russian, and Armenian. But Iranian? Well, Asset- Iranian? Iranian, that's what the Assetian language comes from. Oh, yeah. okay, got it. Yeah. So um, there's not a ton of Iranian spoken here. No. But just Ossetian is okay. Yeah. And again, with history, you see there was more of that Persian influence back in the day. And now, Andrew, you said that the Ossetians were one of the non Muslim majority people groups. That's right. So that's pretty fascinating that yeah. they've got this Iranian root in their language, mm-hmm. um, which may be why there's a large population. Didn't you also say that they're Christian and pagan? There's like a, yeah. a large pagan strain and, there. And even, you know, when you look at the, that's right. And when you look at their history, even not all of the Muslim majority groups right. here were always Muslim. Right. You know, this is where history, things change over time. Sure. And we're going we're to look at that a little. Cool. Uh, that's in the kingdoms section. I'm so ready for yeah. the kingdoms section. So Turkic language group, Indo-European, and then the third is Caucasian languages. Which, as we all know, is the language of white middle-class males in America. <laughs> because we all check the box, or used to. I have a funny comment on that later. I'm wet. I'm... Dying, well, go on. You will appreciate it. Yes. But we're talking about people specific to this region of the Caucasus Mountains, Caucasian peoples. Yes. So of Caucasian languages, you have the whole set of Dagestani languages, which is at a minimum 10, but more than that. But just the main ones. Like what are some of them? Avar. Dargin. Dargin. Lesgin. Lak. I mean, awesome. you could just go on and on. Uh-huh. Tabasaran, there's a lot of these. Then you have the Circassian or Circassian or languages. Circass. Wouldn't that, isn't Circassian the English for Circassian? Cherkes, That's right. Okay. Circass. In Russian, there's three distinct groups Adigea, Circass, and Kabardine. Uh-huh. They're all Circassian in English. Oh, okay. So that's local. And then you have uh, Vainak. Those the Vainak languages. That's Chechen and Ingush. Yeah. Uh, and then um, also Georgian, also the Georgian language is a Caucasian language. It's very distinct to its own. It's very different than the other native languages. The I mean, script if you go is online, very different. Yeah, if you go online, like YouTube or just listen to someone speaking Georgian mm. or, or Chechen, it sounds like they're just making stuff up to us. As I mean, it just sounds like someone's like, I would the like you to speak. Pronunciations are difficult. Like articulate gobbledygook. I mean, it's so <laughs> different. It's hard to even wrap your mind around that someone could be speaking a real language. We're going to have one of our Chechen or English friends on this podcast and speak to that. And, and articulate gonna, gobbledygook. <laughs> he's going to pin me to the floor because I call this language gobbledygook. And then even there is a language in this region with a Mong- Mongol or- origin, which is from the east, the Kalmyk, Kalmyk people. Uh-huh. And that's a, gr- uh, that's a group that lives north of where we are in Pitigors. They're north of the Caucasus. It's not in the Caucasus, but they look Asian. 
And they came from the Mongols um, from the east. And they're up in the plains there, kind of like yeah, yeah. the Mongols. Mongolians. So think about like all of these, think about the directions of where these languages came from. Every, every direction. Literally, let's, let's talk about every direction. You've got the west. Let's start with west. Okay. No, let's start with north, northeast, southwest. All right. Never eat shredded wheat. Northeast, southwest. I've never heard that. That's the mnemonic. Now you know. <laughs> north. Russian. Russian. Yeah. But the, the languages have persevered through Russian, or does everyone in the North Caucasus speak Russian? I mean, how hegemonic has their influence been? Yeah, now Russian is like the united language mm-hmm. here. So Russian was the, probably the last language to come in to the Caucasus, yeah. but it now is the uniting language, at, at least at this point in history. You know? Do you think there are, I mean, I've heard that way up in the mountains, there may be people who still don't speak Russian. Yeah. Have you experienced I've, I've met some. I've met some older folks like that wow. in so the Nagastani Mountains. Not even, they're not even connected to the Russian That's language right. and culture. Okay, so That's you got right. a big influence from the north, Russian. That's right. And that's the most recent in history. Uh-huh. So then Northeast. Mongols. Mongols. Definitely. Yep. Um, and even, yeah, I mean, some of those Turkish languages and some of the Turkish peoples from the East, like Kazakhs. Coming back around. Turkmen, uh-huh. yeah. Um, okay, then South. Iranian. Iranian. Azerbaijani. Azerbaijani. Azeri. Azeri. I was wondering about that, if it's Azeri, Azerbaijani. I always say Azerbaijani. Is there an Arabic influence besides the religious, but linguistically or otherwise that you know ah, of? Ah, this is a good, very good point. So obviously like Arabic is the holy language for Muslims. Yeah. And so within religion, that's a very influential language. Uh, but it's a separate language than what people speak here. Um, so I think people use... Uh, Maybe we can have a guest at some point speak to this. Definitely, like some of my devout Muslim friends, they use Arabic words as a part of their vocabulary. Uh Um, So definitely in the context of religion. So it would be connected to religion. Because like our university has an Islamic theology department and they teach Arabic. Mm -hmm. And... Our meat, our, our friend at the market, the he's a butcher. I keep calling him a meat man because I forgot, <laughs> like I forgot the English word for. Yes, he is Dagestani. He's Dagestani. He wants to learn English and uh, Arabic. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Those are the two languages he wants to learn. Yeah, but that would be for religious purposes because he wants to mm. understand his his religious stuff better. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, so good point. Arabic comes from the South, uh, Armenian, you know, Iranian. I'm just going to say this now. I have this idea for a new intro. I mean, I, uh, to combine with our intro, because I did have to, to get our intro song, I, I wrote a whole email in like Russian. It was really super impressive yeah. to the musician. I got his permission. It's in the show notes. But I'm thinking, I want to do this like montage, a super quick montage. I want to go to our friends who speak these different languages and get clips of them just chattering in their language. And I just want to pile them up. That's a great idea. We should definitely get some. And then it'll like blur, like zoom, zoom into that, into that techno beat, Uh, into that lesginka. Or, and, and have local lesginka songs in the local languages. Oh, I mean, we can go, go, maybe we even, we need to put some clips of this kind of stuff into our. It's going to be such articulate ghibli goop, goobly gop. You're not going (laughs) to, you're going to be blown away. Yeah. Okay. So that's from the South, from the West, influence from the West with languages. Turkey. 
Turkish, yeah. Turkish is down there. Ottoman Empire. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Everything That's the else big is, one, I think. Yeah, it must be the big one. And then here are the Caucasian languages that are from here. Yeah, they were always here. Right. Yeah, so huge influence of languages. And yeah, that basically leads you on to the next two points, which are borders and kingdoms. So what do you have to say about borders, Andrew? I'm interested in this. If you look at, you know, I, I feel like I always look at history through what today's maps say. Yes. But if you look at like maps and history of the North Caucasus, they change all the time. Well, maps, maps are not new, but good maps are. I mean, even uh, a map, you know, people's conception of, of, yeah. of geography, you know, those like early maps of the U.S. You've got like really detailed New England yes. down to Virginia. And then it like tapers off toward Florida. It, you know, it's like, and hmm. then there's stuff and, and, and they just don't know what's there. So even, you know, if you go back, people's idea of a border was so much more fluid than ours is today. Yeah. 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 And borders have changed, like how the republics today, Dagestan and Chechnya and Kabardino Balkaria, how they're, the borders are drawn today, they weren't even like that 70 years ago. During the Soviet Union, they, so they what changed. do you know about it? Who who drew them and and how did they decide? Okay, so I'm looking at a map right now mm-hmm. from the 18th century Ooh. of the North Caucasus. I want, I'm going to go over to you. I want to see this. Come culture. on over here. Check this out. This this is really funny setup we have. Hey, don't move. I don't want you to mess up your level. I'm my child's bedroom. Talking to your mic here. But there are no republics really. There's lands. But basically, the Caucasus is bordered by the Ottoman Empire in the 18th century, the Persian Empire, wow, the Russian Empire, and the, the span of the Caucasus peoples is, was much greater at that point. Mm-hmm. And even the names, like today you have these, these names, Chechnya, Dagestan, Kabardino, Balkaria, they're specific to the ethnic groups. They're, the three main names of the areas then were Circassia, which was much more expansive than it is now. All the way over to Crimea. Yeah, I mean, way up to Crimea. Then you have Kabarda or Kabardia, which now is much smaller. And it's called Great Kabardia. That's really cool. Yeah. And then Kabardia, Circassia, and Alania. Alania. Alania was even more ancient, but that's like the Ossetians. That's kind of their history is the Alans. And these things, they just follow the rivers. Like Circassia goes all the way up to the... What river is that? The Kuban River. Yeah. You know, and that's their border. And and the key shows a, a line, but the lines, are, it says uh, frontiers, not even borders. I'm going back. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the lands, the borders have changed. I mean, almost every century they've changed with invasions or wars or whatever it was. Uh, I have a question. Like now today in the world, border control is such a big deal. Security. What was border control like? It's only a big deal because it can be. Huh. And it's a very um, it's a very Western idea. I heard a lecture by a professor from Kentucky University named Dr. King, uh, who's an anthropologist, and she talked about the Russian concept of border versus the American concept of border. Huh. And basically, we have a very um, nation-state idea of border which is based on technology, simply even guns. I mean, you know, a gun enables you to enforce a border in a way that a bow and arrow doesn't. Hmm. Um, Not to mention cars, satellites, and all these things. So 
we have this this idea of a nation state is a is a is defined by a static boundary and the relationship with your neighbors is based on that being static. The Russian mindset is much more imperial mm. and empire oriented. Mm. We think of nation, Russians generally, including this region, if any this is reflected even in current events, treat their borders as much more fluid mm. and much more negotiable because that's how empires used to be. Mm. You couldn't, as the czar sitting in the middle of whatever, or the, what's the, what was a Persian? He would be the emperor. I don't know. You, you couldn't have yeah, minute control of something th- uh, a th- 500 or 1,000 miles away. Yeah. So you couldn't manage oh, that, you know? Um, today we can, but, but the mindset is really what's, what, what matters. Uh-huh. And I think what we see reflected in this region is much more of a empire kingdom mindset where yeah. borders aren't static. Yeah, and that's what the history has reflected Totally it's a much reflected. more organic kind of way of interacting with neighbors and stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that just, that transitions us to our third point of kind of a theme of history of the Caucasus, which is Kingdom. kingdoms. So I have a list of different nations that at some point whose kingdom has been here in the North Caucasus. And this goes back Many centuries. I mean, even before the 12th century. But here's just a couple. Arabs, Genghis Khan and the Mongols. Yes. Persians. Persian kingdom. Ottomans or the Turks. Russians. And then even, I mean, this is like Russians, but like the Soviet Union. That was kind of its, its own, own thing kingdom too. kingdom thing. Yeah. Uh, so. They've all occupied this area? Different parts of this area. Wow. Yeah. And so. I mean, think about that. Think about what that brings. Uh, layers and layers. Different cultures, yeah. different types of governments, religions. Like, I mean, that's how Islam came into the religion sure. when the Arabs came from the, from the South. Sure. Um, Christianity, Russian, Russia well, had much Russian Did you say influence. Romans? Romans were here first. Romans were here. Or even before that. But they were here. Yeah. Even like... Like with the, the Kalmyk people from the east, the Mongol people, yeah. they're a Buddhist people. Right. So like- There's Buddhism in the North Caucasus. Here, nor, very close to the North Caucasus right. is, is, is a Buddhist republic. But aren't they in, oh, Kalmykia or whatever? Yeah, it's, it's not in the North Caucasus, but it's close. It's not in Dagestan? No, that's it, the Kumuk, Kumuk people are in Dagestan. The I Kalmyk, confuse the yeah, Kalmyk and the Kumuk. Kalmyk. Uh-huh. They're north of the Stavropol region. Okay. But it's still close and it shows you like- right. All of these people coming in and out. I mean, didn't Alexander the Great didn't uh, didn't he come up to the base of the Caucasus? There's there's mythology yeah. that something about a flying horse. They like pick the mountains as part of their. It's like oh, these mountains are the edge of the world, and yes. there's something like there's nothing beyond them, or something like that. Yeah, listen, I found a really cool quote. It was written by an Armenian historian in 1906 describing the history of the North Caucasus. And this, is, this really sums it up well, I think, and it hits on some of the things we've discussed. He says, to attempt to write the history of the Caucasus would not only be very difficult, but hardly profitable. <laughs> Until the Russian occupation, the Caucasus had no unity. Mm-hmm. Geographically, it's divided into two distinct parts by the Great Range. Ethnographically, it's but a collection of miscellaneous samples. 
Historically, it's always been split up between a number of different foreign states, more or less independent principalities and tribes. Alexander the Great, the East Roman Empire, and the Arabs at various times laid claim to rule the whole country, but in practice, they never actually did so. Russia is the first power which has succeeded in uniting these scattered fragments. And they're and only, the, is he only talking about North Caucasus or South Caucasus about the whole, too? The whole Caucasus. Because that even is debatable. Yeah. yeah. And then just to finish his quote, he says, at the time of the Russian conquest, Western Transcaucasia was divided into the kingdoms of Georgia, Emeritia, and Mingrelia. The Eastern provinces were under Persian supremacy. Parts of modern-day Georgia belonged to Turkey. The mountain ranges were divided among a number of practically independent clans. This state of things had existed in a more or less modified form for several centuries, and in the wildly chaotic conditions of the country frontiers were uncertain and sovereign rights, but vain things. Wow. <laughs> That's a really good history of the Caucasus. I mean, it's just been crazy, like all the different nations that have kind of fought and warred and come through this region. So would you say, and I don't, we may not want to get super into it, but is the struggle over? Um, it's interesting because now there is like, pretty good stability mm-hmm. as far as like Georgia is its own country. Armenia is its own country. Azerbaijan is its own country. And then North, the North Caucasus, all the republics here are all within Russia and Russia is the uniting language and they're all in one country. So in that sense, I think there's stability. There's still great pride among each people uh, of like what their identity is. Um, but maybe history will just have to answer that question. Mm. Um, To help you understand like how it got like it is today in the early 19th, the first half of the 19th century was the the Russian Caucasus war. It's called 1817 to 1864. And that was when eventually 1870, 1817 to 1864. It's like it went back in time in six years. Yeah. But it was a 37, no, 47-year-long war. Yeah. But when the the war finished at that since then all of the North Caucasus has been a part of Russia. Okay. Since um, 1864. That was when it finished. That's yes. When it finished. Yeah. So that's kind of like where we stand now today in modern history. And even during the Soviet Union, the republics here, some of the borders were changed at times. But I want to finish with one final point here, then we'll move Straight. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this has helped me understand better. There are two Caucasus peoples that are spread all over the world. Off the top of your head, can you, could you name them? I would They have guess, a huge diaspora. I, I have no idea. Okay. The Russian Caucasus War in the early 19th century, the Circassians was, were really the ones who were kind of fighting with Russians, Cherkess, Adigea, Kabardines. And at the end of that war, many Circassians had to leave Russia, and many went to Turkey. We're talking like 3 million went to Turkey. Went or were sent? Uh, this is where we're not going to get into the details Uh of history. Wrong question. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But, uh, so there are today many ethnic Circassians in Turkey. And then there's also several hundred thousand in Jordan and Syria. Wow. Yeah. So Circassians are all over the world. And there's even like, I've heard that in New Jersey, there's like a place where there's lots of Circassians. Sweet. So the garden state. Yeah. Like lots of Circassians all around the world. And then Armenians. 
And uh, probably most of you are familiar with oh, definitely. 1915, the Armenian genocide yes. um, out of Turkey. But uh, there are Armenians all over the world. They, many were killed in that time and had to flee all around the world. Um, so it, it actually reminded me of the, the other people I think most people would say is a mobile people kind of without borders would be Jews. Yes. And like you look at their history, like they lost their land. So they were all over the world. And I mean, in a sense, like that defines a lot of the Caucasus. People have been fighting for centuries for their land and they value their land and they want their land. Um, For their place. The borders have changed. Kingdoms have come and gone. Um, But yeah, that, that helps me understand the day why the languages are like they are. Right. And why even... There's such pride in people's history. And why maybe our Dargin friend or our Chechen friend dislikes the Dargin version of Lezginka yeah. or Dagestani, because which to us is practically imperceptible, but yeah. a minute difference mm. says a lot to him. That's right. And maybe goes back a long way. Yeah. Yeah, so fascinating stuff. We'll have some links in the show notes. That's um, great, Andrew. Yeah, like kind of giving us some of the sources I used for talking about this. And we'll have some maps in there you can check out as well. Um, so make sure to do that. I'm going to vote for Andrew's uh, official status as history buff. <laughs> all with me? Say aye. And they all say yes. Good stuff. Uh, okay, let's have, we haven't done this in a while. Let's have a North Caucasus News Minute. A News Minute! Can we get like a theme song intro for that or something? You don't like what I'm doing? Of course we can. We, we, we need to do that. All right. You want to, uh, you want to, I'm just going to put it in. All right. Surprise me. Okay. So uh, again, we do this segment because there's lots of negative things on the internet and often any news you watch is negative, but we want to pull something positive from the news about the North Caucasus. All right. So Eli, I have a question for you. Oh, here we go. I'm a big sports fan. I know this. So we're going to talk about You're sports in the North Caucasus, mm-hmm. but I want to quiz you. There, there's some sports that the North Caucasus is famous for, but I want to quiz you on, I'm going to ask you a country and you tell me if you know what sport is that country famous for. Okay. All right. And listeners, obviously this will be interesting for you too. So let's see if you can answer. You can what, take the quiz too. What sport is Brazil known for? Capoeira. You know what that is? I should I know what that is? No, it's like some kind of like martial arts. Um, Brazil, known for badminton. That's India. Um, soccer, soccer. That is, you know, you could say soccer for anybody. <laughs> I know that's a cop out. Yeah, that's but, why uh, I didn't say that's it. That's like Brazil's thing. All right, what about United States? If you had to pick one sport, there could be multiple answers for this one. I know what you're thinking. Well, I would say. I would say baseball. Okay. That is the, the pastime. That is the true, but we, you know, basketball is there. Of course, American football, but no one else cares. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like you could really say, I mean, I, my people are always asking me here, my friends, like what is the most popular yeah, sport But you in could not say soccer for America. Yeah. Like for us, like it's kind of a all inclusive package, American football, yeah. baseball, basketball. Do you remember when we had the host of the world cup and news, like interviewers are going out just on the street and asking people questions about the world cup. Oh boy. And people were like the this world, is, what? And like, do you know what sport the world cup is? And they were like, they're like me. That like, was is it swimming? 1994. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So 
I think we've improved. I was 11 then, so I don't remember all that. But I do remember it being there. You just dated yourself. <laughs> all right. Okay. How about Canada? Oh, that one's easy. Luge. Just kidding. <laughs> Hockey. Hockey, good. Hockey. Good, got it. How about, I mean, these are a little harder, South Africa. I would say, I don't know, equestrianism. <laughs> they, there's probably some good equestrianists there. You're being kind. What is it? Rugby. Okay, I would definitely have said Australia, but. Yeah, yeah, rugby could be, even New Zealand, you could say that for sure. them. All right, how about India or Pakistan? Okay, badminton. But um, no, really, um, if not soccer, I would say badminton and stand by it. Cricket. Oh, gosh. They're awesome at cricket. They are awesome. Sorry, I, I was trying to be like really worldwide diverse with these this questions. Is, I like, this is great. It's good for my okay. humility. Uh, all right, North Caucasus. Listeners, you probably don't know this about the North Caucasus, but the number one sport here is fighting. That's right, not badminton. Fighting, hand-to-hand combat. So let's break that down. And you mean as an organized sport? Let's break it down, yeah. What forms of that? It's got... Wrestling. Wrestling. Different kinds of wrestling. Boxing. Boxing. Ultimate fighting. So MMA, mixed martial arts. UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Are, are those different? They're different leagues. But they're the same sport. S- yeah. And the sport is called what? MMA. MMA is yeah. the sport. Yeah. Mixed martial arts. Yes. So if I were watching it, would it look like cage fighting? It's. Minus a cage? It's basically <laughs> boxing. It's boxing, wrestling, and martial arts. Like anything you want. Yeah. And then like. Even these, some of these different here. forms of martial arts here, like Sambo, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is big in the Caucasus. And we're going to do a separate episode about like who is the Caucasus man. Ooh. Because like this kind of toughness and kind of yeah. manly man feel, that's a big deal machismo. in the Caucasus. Yeah, machismo. Uh, so yeah, that's really big here. And I don't know if any of you listeners follow Ultimate Fighting in America, MMA or UFC, but there are a lot of guys from the North Caucasus who are succeeding there. Succeeding worldwide? Yeah. Famous. The most famous is, he's Avar, he's Dagestani. His name is Norabib Magomedov. Norabib Magomedov. Norabib. He is undefeated. Write that down in the name books for uh, your, your, your future children, guys. He, he's 24 and 0. And, you know, Man. right right now in the news, they're saying that Conor McGregor, he's kind of the biggest name, this Irish guy uh, with uh, in UFC. Conor that, McGregor. They're, they're saying he's going to fight uh, Floyd Mayweather. They're going to box, uh, I think, in the fall. But Norabi Magomedov's been trying to get a fight with Conor McGregor for a while. Um, well, it seems to be pretty yeah, easy to But he is like, fight. he's the oh. pride of the Caucasus. Yeah. Uh, people, especially in Dagestan, they love him. Uh, and I'm going to include an article for you about about him it's very well written in the show notes uh the the website is called bloodyelbow.com oh my gosh <laughs> yes very interesting it's it's about like mma athletes but fascinating uh, article kind of his that's personal why I'm history here. i'm made for this place <laughs> bloody elbows okay Love so them. i want to tell you i found this story about an mma fighter he's a setian mm-hmm. and it's fascinating that's here um so he was born in a setia his name is Ketag Pliev. Ketag Pliev. That's another one for the name book. But real quick, his story. Uh, when he was 14, his family moved to the United States. 
Uh, they moved to Cincinnati, and he became one of the best high school wrestlers in America. He actually won two state championships in his weight class, and he was he won a national championship in his weight class. Yeah, but do you know how Im- intimidating it would be for some kid from Cincinnati to be, look at the roster and see that he's up against... What's his name? Kitab what? Kitag. Kitag? Pliev. With a B or a G? <laughs> With a B. Kitag? G. Kitag. Kitag Pliev. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get hurt. I'm, so. I will destroy you. <laughs> he has the psychological <laughs> Russian advantage. accent. So yeah. he rose. Okay. He did. He was really successful. He got a full scholarship to community college for wrestling in California. And before he went to school, he came back to Russia to Setia to visit his grandma. And he couldn't get and a she, visa back she, to the States. She beat him. Oh. Yeah. Messed up. He tried five times to get a visa and couldn't get back. What to the year United was States. this? 2001. Did California school have something to say about that? His coach flew here and Whoa. tried to get, like, get him approved. And his for coach couldn't, couldn't get back in either. Yeah, I just we're not <laughs> going to get true. into like the politics of all that, but like, That's you know, we kind of live in this world. We live in a different country, so we're always thinking about. We know the rules for visas and stuff for Russia, but it's really hard to get a visa to America. I mean, we've had lots of friends who can't, who haven't been able to get a visa there to study or to work. Um, that's something I've learned here. I didn't know anything about that before I lived outside of America. So, but it's part of his story. So he came home, he started wrestling in Russia and in 2005, he, with his Russian team, he had an event in Canada and through one of his family friends who lived in Toronto, he ended up getting Canadian citizenship. Snooze you lose. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, so 2007, he became a Canadian citizen. He competed on, uh, he almost qualified for, the Canadian Olympic team in wrestling in 2008. And then he did qualify in the London Olympics. So he wrestled in the Olympics for Canada. Wow. And then he has transitioned and he was like one of the best wrestlers in Canada. He, he won five straight national Canadian national championships and he was the top in the country in his class, weight class, no, I'm kidding. 96 kilos. So he transit, he's transitioned to MMA recently and like he kind of switched sports, but he's trying to make it in MMA. So, so why didn't he just, Wrestle for Russia. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know don't the know. details. His family moved, right? And so I think that's probably a big reason wanting to be with his. But an Ossetian guy, yeah, wrestling for Canada. Yeah, but props to Kitag Pliev. Got awesome. really good. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. But really interesting article about his story. Um, when I was researching cauc- Caucasus fighters in the UFC and MMA, I found a a forum online where it was like a MMA forum where a person asked, why are so many Caucasians good at fighting? Uh huh. And all of the answers to his question were why people think white people do better in MMA than black people. So that wasn't really the question. It wasn't the question. <laughs> I get it. Somebody <laughs> added a follow-up question. I think he's talking about guys from Chechnya and oh, Dagestan. That's great. And nobody got it. Like, <laughs> So when we say Caucasians, we're talking about people from the North Caucasus, not white Americans. Someday we will tell the brief and silly story about why we call white people in America Caucasians. Yeah. It's not for any good reason. <laughs> it's, it's misdirected anthropology, but we'll get into that some other time. Yeah. So yeah, MMA, fighting, wrestling, it's a big deal here. I was recently in Ingushetia yeah. and we had rented a van to take us around and the van driver, I was talking to him, an English, older English man, Ruslan, 
we're just kind of shooting the breeze, getting to know each other. He was like, oh yeah, uh, my son, he was the 2008 uh, gold medalist heavyweight boxing champion for Russia. In the Olympics? Yeah. He was like, yeah, in Beijing. And I was like, he wait, the glove compartment. You got to understand, like, sometimes I don't understand everybody thing. Right, everybody right, says right. in Russian. And I was like, did I hear that right? And so I kept pressing him for details. He was like, yeah, yeah. His name's uh, Rakim Zhabeyev. And uh, he won the gold medal. Man. And I looked it up on my phone and I pulled up this ripped picture of his son. <laughs> and his nickname was The Machine. <laughs> He stole but that right from me. It's not uncommon to like meet people like that in the North. Caucasus. He's just driving a van. Just his in, dad. In yeah, gold Dang. medal champion. So I don't know if that makes me feel safer walking down the street or <laughs> less safe, knowing yeah. that someone could probably protect me from himself. I've a good number of times seen guys with black eyes here, and it you can almost assume it was from training for like MMA. not a not a. Bar not, a, fight. not like a street fight or something yeah. or a bar fight, but like they were training. You know, it's true. I, I took my son to a little sports center to try and do some some sports lessons. And, you know, if you're an American, you think about a sports complex, like what sports might be offered there if you go to the gym or just, you know, you could think of a lot of them. Well, this had two offerings. On one half of the building was wrestling. Yes. And the other half of the building was acrobatics. That's, <laughs> that's what they, those were the two. Huh. And we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about Dagestan, but a much a, you know, smaller portion of people, but as deeply in, um, nationalistic. Another sport. Do you know what in Dagestan is one of the most Dagestan. important nationalistic sports? Huh. What is it? Tightrope walking. Oh. And a lot of people here wow. pursue tightrope walking and acrobatics as a career, not like, you know, I ran off at the circus as a plan, you know, huh. that, um, because it's part of their national pastime, tightrope walking in that, some places in Dagestan. Is that with a certain people in Dagestan or just in Dagestan um, in general? Probably is. We're going to find out. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. So that's our North Caucasus News Minute. Uh, if you are interested in MMA or UFC at all, if you ever see a foreign or Russian looking name, there's a good chance they're from the North Caucasus. And we probably know someone they know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there's going to be six degrees of Andrew and Eli. We're, we're friends with them somehow. <laughs> um, so I think that's it. Andrew, good report. Yeah, episode five. History um, was not, is not as boring as you thought, right? There yeah. you go. Where's Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out the ideal time for these podcasts, but I think 49 minutes and 42 seconds looks good right now. Hey, cool. Perfect. So again, if you have any questions, comments, corrections, email us at podcast at caucustalk.com, C-A-U-C-A-S talk.com. You can find us on iTunes, search for us, leave us a review, uh, preferably positive, and tell your friends, word of mouth, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Because we know that you will know the people who would be interested in this better than we will. Yeah. Anything interesting you heard today, uh, we'll have some cool links. We're going to have some really cool history links in the show notes. And, yeah, we look forward to seeing you soon, our next episode of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. We will see you when you get here.